welcome back to the latest episode of Puncher's Chance with Pinnacle, the podcast that covers boxing betting from every angle. I'm your host, Chris McCarthy, and as usual, I'm joined by both Tom Craze and Andy Clark to break down this weekend's big fight odds from Jeddah between Alexander Usic and Anthony Joshua, as well as all the other big fights that are on the horizon. Chaps, it's, uh, it's been a while. Uh, how, how are we both? Yeah, good. Good, thank you. Nice. Now, um, no surprises where we're going to kind of start for this uh, episode. Uh, Anthony Joshua looking to reclaim his world heavyweight titles once again. Uh, great man stands in his way. Alexander Usic uh, comprehensively outboxed and outpointed Joshua back in September of last year. That uh, kind of stamped his authority on the heavyweight division. Took Joshua's world title belts away. Um, the WBA, Super, IBF, WBO and IBO I've got all of them in 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 one correctly. Uh, heavyweight titles will be on the line this time around again. Uh, the fight taking place this time in Jeddah, which is in Saudi Arabia at the King Abula Sports City Stadium. So a slight change of scenery from uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium over in London. Um, first, let's start off um, looking at the odds. Usic uh, priced at 1.44 with Pinnacle, which is around a 65% chance of victory uh, in the implied probability. Uh, with Joshua price at 2.89, which is around a 35% chance of victory. Now, these odds are actually quite interesting. Um, I know me and you, Tom, always speak about the way odds kind of reverse and flip and things like that, but it's almost a complete kind of flip round from the first fight of where um, Usic was actually the outsider and Joshua was actually the favourite. And it actually looked at the um, odds earlier and it was actually pretty, almost a carbon copy of what it was. It was almost 65 uh, chance of victory for Joshua and just 35 for Usic, which kind of goes to show how dominant Usic was back in September of last year. Um, now, Andy, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, obviously, you've got the privilege this week of uh, being actually out in Jeddah, joining us from your hotel room out there as well um, as we speak. So firstly, just to get your kind of views and opinions on what, what's it kind of like out there for the fight week and How's it been kind of settling in around there? I know you've been speaking to both fighters this week. What's been your kind of thoughts and opinions on everything so far? Yeah, it's been good so far. Um, I came to Saudi Arabia at the back end of 2019 for the rematch against Ruiz. This is a different kind of vibe because Jeddah's a, a bigger place than Riyadh, basically. We're all a bit more uh, spread out, but it's been well organised. The open workouts were good. They were just the right level of chaotic, which I think is right. You don't want everything to be you know, perfectly organized and military fashion to the second. You want you want the fans to be able to get involved. You want you want it to be a a bit circusy. And I thought it was just the right blend of that. And then the press conferences today, they made sure everybody got what they needed, did the undercard first. Um, everybody stuck around until they'd spoken to absolutely everyone. And then the main event fighters did the same, uh, to be fair to them. They they did the main event separately. Uh, Anthony in particular uh, stayed and spoke to Again, everyone who's made the effort to come out here, he uh, he spared them some some time and and you know not just a, a minute or two. He he was on good form. And as for their kind of you know the the cuts of their um, jibs, if you like, I've liked what I see from both of them because Usyk is he's a little bit impenetrable. He's he's kind of crazy. He's got that wild look about him. He's got that that maverick quality. But at the same time, he his eyes are kind of unblinking. You know, they they are they are laser focused. You get the impression when you speak to him. And I did the interviews at the at the workout, so I was right up close to them. When he looks at you, you get the impression that he's kind of just taking you in. He's taking every situation he's in, um, just through those you know synapses and cones or whatever you've got in your in, in your retina, and just processing it all very, very fast. Um, that, that's the kind of feeling he gives you. But but Joshua, I've liked what I've heard from him because he can, or at least in the past he has, he's at times talked in riddles a bit during fight week um, and just generally he did at Spurs when he was saying, you know, this isn't a big fight for me, this isn't a big deal for me, it's another day in the office and all that kind of thing. With this, it's he's very much in challenger mentality uh, and you can really notice the difference. Um, there was no bluff, no bluster, no kind of one-liners. It was all just simple stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of respect for each other. There was never going to be any kind of trash talk or anything 
or anything like that. But I think it's I think it's set up nicely. I mean, th- those odds, you know, I would all you can do in the rematch is go off what you saw in the first fight. And going off what we saw in the first fight, I would give Utik better than a 65% chance of winning. I, I, personally. Yeah. Um, so I think that's actually, I think, you know, the, the price on him is actually not bad when you consider how comfortably he won that that first encounter. Yeah, uh, kind of tend to agree with that. I mean, how was the, I know there's been like a lot of um, talk around, especially with this fight, it seems like the, the talk's always around the size and the, you know, the strength and all this kind of, all these shenanigans. In terms of obviously being up close to him this week and seeing the pair of them, I did see a couple of kind of, I suppose condescending stories where it said that usage because he had the obviously the issues with the Ukraine stuff and um, that he'd lost uh, an awful lot of weight. I know I think there was some kind of sources saying it was up to kind of thirty pounds or something like that, and now he's actually stuck that on and more. Um, did you notice any kind of in terms of like his kind of frame or his kind of size? Was anything? Is it? It just kind of the same old juicic, or did you notice any kind of substantial difference in there in terms of? I mean, even dropping weight or substantially gaining weight. It's kind of hard to tell. The, the figure I've been given about the weight loss was more like about £10 in, in the early yeah. weeks of the war. And then we saw some pictures of him in the gym in Dubai a couple of weeks ago and he looked big. And Amir Khan yeah. said Usyk had told him or Amir kind of reckoned that he put on 15 kilos. That can't be true because 15 <laughs> kilos is 32, 33 pounds. And after the first fight, that would take him up to just over 18 stone. And there's no way, having seen him up close, there's absolutely no way. He didn't look that much bigger to me in his heavyweight fight so far. He was 15, 5, 15, 7, and then 15, 11 at Spurs. I would say he is heavier than 15, 11, but I would probably go for about 16 and a half, around about 230, something like that. So I became kind of quite obsessed about that this week too, but I couldn't really tell too much from the open workout. He had his top on. Um, I actually watched a bit of the workout back today because when you're right on top of it, you don't really get that perspective necessarily, whereas the camera just gives you that bit of... Yeah. There's not going to be that much between them in terms of weight. I think Joshua will be low 240s, low 17 stone, um, which is where he's best. And... I do think Usyk wants to take some more weight into the second fight, basically because I think he feels that in the first fight, he was correctly wary of Joshua's size and power because he'd never been in at the elite end of the heavyweight division against somebody that big and that potentially strong. So he was he was wary of it. But towards the end, um, he nearly took him out. And I think he's looking at this fight and thinking, I can be more aggressive, put a bit of weight on. It'll help with the, the punch resistance, help with blocking shots, parrying shots on the way in. And I think he wants to stop him. I think that's 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 what he's got in mind here, Usyk. And, and heavyweights have always got that in mind. You know, he won so clearly in the first fight that there was no way that the cards could go any other way. But you don't want to win on points. If you can take it out of the judges' hands, then then that's what you do. And I think that I think that is what he's looking to do. Yeah, I agree. The um most on that. I mean, Tom, I'll go to, to you off the back of kind of what, what Andy's kind of said and mentioned. Obviously, I spoke about the odds at the start with usage kind of flipping the, the price with Pinnacle uh, into 1.44. Um, Joshua moving kind of out to nearly 3.0, around about 2.89 at the minute. Um, what's your kind of your take on that flip? I mean, obviously, everyone's, you know, I've got the impression that most people are kind of saying the same sort of thing and it's kind of hard to sway away from not thinking that after watching how convincing usage was in the first fight. Has your kind of opinion changed at all or are you kind of still on the still on the fence of, you know, I think me and you spoke about it on the on the episode before when we actually picked out usage as like a you know a great value bet in the in the first fight. But I think we was a little bit weary of like what Andy said with the size and things like that because you never really know until you see it, you know, in, in person and kind of up close and see what actually happens. Now that we have seen that, we know that he can handle his size and his strength. And I mean, if we're perfectly honest, he kind of, it was a bit of a walk in the park for him, really. It wasn't even a particularly difficult fight despite being marked up a little bit. Are you are you kind of thinking those odds sit about correctly or maybe even a, a little bit of value in usage now? Yeah, I think... I mean, I was I was busy digging through the odds earlier, um, and the the general, as, as you said, pinnacle one point four four. There's a bit of movement, kind of right across the industry. But Usyk at 
the extreme end of the, the kind of the range there is, is either 64% or 69% or anything in between. Um, and I actually think that is possibly a bit generous. I wouldn't have been surprised and, and maybe, maybe actually I expected Usyk to be priced up a little bit wider than he is. Um, if we saw 1.3, um, even kind of 1.29, 1.3, 1.34, that kind of range, I wouldn't have been surprised at all. I wouldn't have been taken aback. And I think actually if I was the one pricing it up, I probably would have put it there. I think you have to be quite wary of overpricing him based on based on one fight because Joshua still is the bigger guy. He is still the naturally stronger guy. And if he switches up his game plan with Robert Garcia, as we all expect him to, that could one well, should perhaps play into his strengths a little, a little bit more than when he tried to kind of outbox Usyk in the first fight. Um, but I think what Andy said there is is spot on. You you have to. You have to take a read from the first fight in this case. Now, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened in between last September and now. Obviously, Usyk's had the war. How's that going to affect him mentally as well as physically, as you've just discussed? Obviously, Joshua's rebounding from another loss. He's got his new trainer. It's not in London. It didn't help him particularly last time. He, he had, he's lost that kind of advantage. Um, but I think if you're looking at Joshua at his current price, which is shorter than Usyk was when he was the underdog. You're not, you're not even getting two to one on Joshua. I think it's very, very short. I don't think there's much there to play with at all. And I think, look, for me, this is a very, very different rematch from the Ruiz rematch where you kind of saw where Joshua went, went wrong. He got caught with that shot on the, uh, on the top of the head, never really recovered. You look at how comprehensive that first fight was. Usyk, was out boxing him. He was out kind of hustling him, and, and and rightly, you know, as Andy said towards the end, he nearly had him out. Um, and, you know, he was the smaller guy that he was kind of bullying him, getting inside. Uh, I, I think Usyk will go for the stoppage, and I think he might well get it. Um, I think if you're looking at the outright, Usyk is probably a little bit of value if you're a, an odds-on backer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with the, um, especially on the point about uh, Joshua being priced at kind of two point. Eight nine. I mean, if you sometimes get fighters who come in at priced at around one point four four, you normally expect a bit more, bit more value going up a bit heavier than kind of two point eight nine. But I suppose it's kind of factored into the price that the bookmakers are kind of weary of what what can happen. I suppose at heavyweight as well, and obviously you always kind of lose a bit of a value when you're betting on kind of these high profile fighters such as you know Joshua and things like that. So. Um, I mean, I'll quickly go back to you, Tom, in terms of like you touched on it there, like in terms of the, and you mentioned about the stoppage, um, there's been, I kind of get the consensus as well that it's almost, everyone knows that, you know, usage has got kind of a, an ability level or probably above Joshua and he kind of outboxed him in the first fight. A lot of people talk are talking up a stoppage in this fight and I kind of get the sense that a lot of people feel Joshua is going to try and kind of stick it on him early, kind of go for broke almost and then, it's going to tire out and usage is going to kind of stop him down the stretch or it might even work where it's similar to the first fight and usage just has a bit too much for him. He kind of runs out of steam and stops him in, in that way. A lot of people's thinking it's going to be between kind of eight and 12. Um, what's your kind of thoughts in terms of if you're looking at a bet for obviously the usage stoppage, do you see it being around about that stage as well? Because it seems as if that's the kind of sensible bet here. I think, I mean, I think it depends how Joshua does approach. I think obviously if he comes rushing out of the blocks a little bit reckless, which I don't think he will do. I think some expect him to kind of just go all guns blazing and, and you know, help for that. I don't think that's going to happen. He's going to box sensibly, um, but I think he's going to do so with some a bit more measured aggression. I think the, I think it's tricky to kind of assign when it would happen because I think, again, people are looking at the first sight we know Joshua has had stamina issues before, but I don't think that was necessarily the case in the first fight. He just took a lot of punishment and, and was, was, was kind of feeling it towards the end. But I think Usyk is so precise, so um, so good a counterpuncher, that that could come at any time. And if Joshua is caught a little bit too overconfident, it could be a lot earlier than 8, 9, 10, and it might not be the result of a, a kind of a gradual wearing down like it was in the first fight. Uh, I think if you're looking at the the method of victory for Usyk, the stoppage and the decision are about 2 to 1 each, so about 3.0 each. So the bookies can't really split which way Usyk is going to win. Um, 
But if you're comparing that to Joshua to win a decision, which is eight to one, they kind of know that Joshua isn't. So I think if it goes well round, Usyk wins. I think probably he wins inside the distance, but obviously uh, I think that is Joshua's best chance too. Yeah, sure. I tend to agree on that as uh, as well. Um, Andy, I go to you. Like lastly, on the point, uh, Tom just touched upon the like the method of victory market and kind of looking for a bit of value outside of the straight kind of money line bet. Um, Tom did actually mention as well at the end there, which I quite a, I always find a bit of an interesting point with this fight, with how tired Joshua was at the end of that fight. I can remember kind of the scenes of him kind of slumped on the ropes and almost kind of out on his feet. I mean, it, it, it was very strange to to see fighters do that, like especially at the top level, even if they are in, I mean, to be doing that in front of someone to kind of show a weakness as such, you have to be completely exhausted. Normally they'll try and hide it. Um, what's your kind of thoughts on in terms of the the way that this fight will develop and what we just touched upon with Tom in terms of how, how usage will approach the fight and also how Joshua will approach the fight? Because I get the impression that, people are kind of the way people are going to bet is based upon how they feel Joshua will approach it. Um, and they, and then they might see that there's a bit of value in the usage stoppage. I think there will be a stoppage. It's just a question of working out who you think will get it. I think they'll both go about it in actually a fairly similar way because Usyk wants to box a heavyweight the way he boxed at cruiserweight, which is take your space, get on top of you, work around you, and put you under constant pressure and ramp that pressure up further round by round by round. Uh, take them on the gloves, block punches, parry punches, catch and fire, basically. That's what he did at Cruz, and that's what he'll want to grow into heavyweight and do. And now is the perfect time, I think, for him to, to try and do that. Um, Joshua, as Tom said, he can't be reckless. You know, it, it makes me laugh what, what listening to people say, oh, he needs to jump on him and rough him up and all that. It's in the school playground. This is you know, this level sport. That, that's that's like saying to a team from ten years ago. You know, when you play Barcelona, just just get it, just go out there and steam into. It's, it's, it's just nonsense. I mean, it's absolutely nonsense talk. They just dance around you and smash you to pieces. So he can't do that. He's got to be more measured about it. I think he's got a. You know, we saw him at the workout working on a few kind of like you could see from the foot movement, although it was just like slow and deliberate. So he's been working on a few little feints. He's got to get that guard up. He's going to have to take a few on the gloves. He's going to have to block. He's going to have to parry. And then when he gets in, in range, he's going to get himself into range almost all the time and throw. A massive moment is going to come when he gets it clean for the first time because yeah, he can take that and come back, then that will boost his morale a lot. You know, it's a big, big moment. He cannot allow that to send him back into his shell. He cannot become fearful. He's got to try and trust his chin, which is maybe something he hasn't, really been able to do mentally since that first fight against Ruiz. Um, it's amazing how much more full your gas tank will stay if you're having some success, even if it's just a, even if, even if it's sporadic, but it's enough to make you feel like you're in it. You didn't have yeah. that in the first fight and your battery runs down really, really quick when that's the case, because it just feels a bit hopeless. You know, you're, you're trying stuff and no matter what the corner was telling him, he'd have known that it wasn't really, it wasn't really working. Um, I think it could be really good to watch. I think it could be really good to watch. From, from talking to him this week and just seeing him around this week, AJ, I think he will do it. I think he will go for it. I think he will show us, you know, those minerals that we that we need to see. It might not be enough to win, but I think he's going to, you know, he's going to give us everything he's got and nobody's going to have any cause for complaint, win, lose or draw. And that's all I want. Do you think? So you can never ask for any more than that. Do you think that he'll? Um, do you think, in terms of like what you touched on there, that where he he went back to? If you go back to the Andy Ruiz fight and the kind of mental scars from that, the one question I kind of have with him, not so even since the Ruiz fight, but probably I suppose since the the kind of um, Klitschko fight, is that do you think this current version of Joshua has it in him, kind of mentally, to go to the well? that heavily like he did against Klitschko that night if that kind of fight breaks out again or do you feel like he's going to kind of go into his shell a little bit do you think he's still got the heart the hunger and kind of the desire of that that Joshua that kind of roared through Klitschko and come back if if it does get a bit does get a bit dirty in there 
I think he does, yeah. I, I think he does. Uh, he, he's achieved an awful lot in his career. He started boxing in 2008. Ten years later, he was Olympic gold medalist and unified heavyweight champion of the world. You know, I think he's been a bit stung by some of the criticism, um, some of the questioning of his, yeah, of, of his minerals, basically. He's made so much money. Does he really want it? All that kind of thing. You're always going to get that as a fighter when when you become really successful. I think he has got it in there to do that. I really do. Whether it'll be enough thing to win, I don't know. But if I were to pick a kind of, if I were to really put my my you know money where my mouth is, I would go six stoppage round eight. Round eight's just kind of weak. Well, I was uh, gonna uh, I was gonna round you up for a prediction there, but you've already uh, you've already done it for me, mate. So that's uh, that's that's nice. The um, Tom, I'll go straight to you, uh, mate. When the uh, with the prediction, uh, I'll provide mine after after you. And uh, what's your uh, what's your thoughts and final big fight prediction, bro? Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you my my kind of favoured bet at first, um, which I, I really like the fight not to go the distance. As Andy said, I do think there will be a stoppage. Um, I saw at one point seven, you can get on the fight not to go the the distance. So stoppage for either man at any time. I think that's a a, a nice angle. Uh, I think a prediction. I'm going to go Usyk, and I'm going to go round. I'll, I'll cut Andy. Undercut Andy by one. I'll go seven. Yeah, nice. Yeah, but I mean, not a second over. I just I'll, think uh, it's going to into the second half, but not that far into the second half. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. The um, I was going to kind of do my my usual Tom of picking across a uh, a grouped round betting to cover three rounds, but I suppose since you two have gone with a single round each, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to pick. Oh, so, um, I mean, I was. I'm. I'm going to go round nine. I think. I think. I think that the stoppage. I, I do like the Usyk stoppage here. I think it will go a few rounds, and I think that around about the mid to latter stages is when I think it will start to kind of get on Joshua a little bit, and it will come on quite strong, and I think he'll get the stoppage. But yeah, exciting, exciting fight um, nonetheless, and one that uh, we'll certainly be looking forward to. Next, we'll move on to another heavyweight uh, fight that's coming up uh, slightly later than the Joshua fight. It starts around about the start of September. It's uh, the return, I suppose, of, well, not supposing the return of Ortiz, but the return of Andy Ruiz Jr., who will be boxing Luis Ortiz. Uh, kind of a strange matched fight, this one. It almost seems as if it's crossroads for kind of both men. Uh, Ortiz actually comes in this fight as fairly as a substantial underdog price at 3.61. Ross Ruiz sits just 1.3, which is extremely short, um, in in my opinion, after his last performance. Um, Now, Ruiz, as far as I can remember, returned uh, to kind of William Ways, I think it was at the start of January, uh, when he kind of got a, I think he stopped Charles Martin, obviously the, the, the guy who Joshua uh, stopped to win the world heavyweight title. Uh, Andy Ruiz got a points victory, is a bit underwhelming over Chris Ariola. Uh, Ortiz now 43 years old, or they will kind of say that in inverted commas as such of how actually old he is. Um, Andy Ruiz Jr. a lot younger. Um, Tom, I'll go, I'll go to you first on this one. I find this quite um, quite quite fascinating, really, in terms of the in terms of the odds. Um, I mean, firstly, what's your thoughts on? kind of the price in this one it's, it's, it's a pretty difficult one to break down because there's not too much form guide uh, what we can go off uh, I mean both were kind of in warm-ups recently both of I mean especially Ruiz has kind of been up and down and had comebacks and no one really knows where he is but it seems as though as Pinnacle have priced him up at 1.3 the win which is a, a very very short price um, what's your kind of Thoughts on this fight, and obviously, I mean, on paper, if you look at their previous performances, Lewis Ortiz uh, stopping Charles Martin inside six rounds is probably better than you know Andy Ruiz going twelve rounds um, with Chris Ariola potentially. So, um, what do you see with the the pricing on this, and how do you kind of see where the odds sit? And I wouldn't actually be surprised if you uh, if you pick a draw here. Um, I think, like, people like this. I think Ortiz is actually the better fighter. Um, I think he's a better boxer. I don't think that Andy Ruiz, based on talent and based on skill set, is a 75, 77% chance um, to win this fight. However, and and I have to say, Chris, when I first saw the odds, I was a little bit surprised. I thought that's... That's too that wide, lot, you know. Who, be a lot closer. Who in the, yeah, who in the right mind is backing Andy Ruiz at 1.3 feet, <laughs> Luis Ortiz? Yeah, not me. But, 
then I kind of thought about the, I, I guess, kind of the macro elements on this fight. And I think Ru- Ruiz is probably a bad style matchup for Ortiz at this point. He's a volume puncher. Uh, he's aggressive. He comes forward. Ortiz is obviously kind of getting on uh, in years as he always has been. Um, and I also think that Ruiz is the guy that is meant to win this fight because I think what the the powers that be would want is that the winner of this fight, which they kind of tab tab perhaps to be Andy Ruiz, will fight Deontay Wilder if he gets past Robert Hellenius. Yeah. And that's a fight that's been talked about for a while. And I think obviously if Ortiz were to beat Ruiz, then Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz part three is quite a hard sell, whereas Ruiz versus Wilder is not. So I think the style of Ruiz and I think the the, the kind of the way that it's been set up does favor Ruiz. And I think I, th- I think like, if you ask me for a prediction, um, I, I would say a Ruiz decision. Uh, I don't think he was impressive in his last fight. I thought Ortiz was okay against Charles Martin. I would have expected him to stop him, and he did. Um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't be touching Ruiz at 1.3, but I think if you get a nice price, a little bit closer to evens or, or fairly close to evens on the decision, it's probably the angle I'd go. But I think just on pure talent alone, Ortiz would seem to be a good price, but with all the uh, the extra factors, it's a, it's a no bet on that one. Yeah, sure. The, uh, I totally, totally agree with you there. I kind of definitely thought when I saw the price, it would be um, a lot kind of closer. I definitely didn't feel that Ruiz would be as short as that, uh, especially after his, his last performance. But then that kind of, I suppose, might say something about where Luis Ortiz, they feel Luis Ortiz is at at the minute. So, um, Andy, I'll go to you um, on this one. Uh, obviously, uh, Tom just touched upon where he kind of sees sees the odds sit and stuff like that. In terms of more of like an analysis point of view, and I suppose an, an insight into the odds as well, how do you see this fight kind of playing out and where do you see both fighters at this stage? Because it seems as if, like we say, it's, a, it's quite a difficult one to analyse and especially one to bet on. It's one that you, you'd be very weary of, I think, in terms of kind of parting with any kind of substantial money, especially to back either of these. Um, I mean, if he was looking for a little bit of value, it, I would personally kind of look towards his, I think, in terms of value. But um, where do you sit with this one? What do you think the uh, what do you think the kind of the outcome would be, and where do you see both fighters at the minute? When it got made, I was kind of fascinated by this. So I liked it immediately because when it first popped into my head, I thought to myself, God, I, I don't know, who, I don't know who's going to win that because <laughs> you look at their two, you look at their two records. They both had a couple of defeats. Uh, Ortiz, both of his have been to the same fighter and Deontay Wilder, who's the only elite level fighter that he's, that he's boxed, but he was doing well in the second fight, particularly. Um, people made too much of the fact that he was winning because he then got stopped in the seventh round. And I never quite understand it when people say, oh, but you know, through six, he was up on the cards. So what? You know, it's, it's a, it's a 12 round fight and he, and he got stopped, but he has got a high skill level, a high technical level. And he doesn't seem to have really lost that, which I don't think you you will necessarily as, as you get older. There's all sorts of hilarious pants about how old he is, Lewis Ortiz, and, and they have been for ages. And I remember seeing him close up against Dave Allen and I thought, God, he was sharp and his hands just looked nasty and spiteful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I avoided, wasn't it, at the time? Yeah, and I look at the odds on him and just think, oh, I'm tempted by that. But then I think about it think, but I don't actually think he's going to win. <laughs> because Ruiz, although the odds on him are very are very mean, I think. I do think that he will beat him because mm. in a kind of way, he's had two defeats up at the the, you know, the top end of the sport, uh, very close against Joseph Parker, uh, wider against Anthony Joshua. But, but he, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Anthony, but he blew that at the Ruiz. Like, mm. you know, coming in at 20 stone, three pounds, he just didn't really give himself... He could have given himself a much better chance. Yeah. And I remember talking to Manny Robles about it well after the event, and he just said, Look, I just I just couldn't get him to go to the gym. And you know, it was incredibly straight and going to Saudi, knowing that he basically hadn't really trained. But he's got good solid fundamentals. He can take a shot. We know that. And I think he'll just outwork Lewis Ortiz, basically. Um, I think he's got a decent enough defense. Um, and I think he's got the engine to just, yeah. Just be too much for him, really. If he if he hasn't, if his if his fitness is lacking in any way, then then he could get exposed. But but yeah, pretty similar to what Tom said, really. I, I just um, 
when you looked at the odds, you just think, this is an absolute classic where you just think, wow, <laughs> it should never be that wide. And these are the kind yeah. of bets I usually go for. I look at it and I just think, yeah, yeah. It should never be. That's way too wide for a two-horse race. But then you think about it and you think, but do I actually think he's going to win? Or am I just, and I, I realised I was convincing myself because of the price, because actually I don't think it's going to happen. And, and if you don't think it's going to happen, then you shouldn't really be better than we should be. Exactly, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah, no, you, I totally agree with uh, the points as well. It's, I, I definitely thought when when it was made, I was excited, but it was more of like a bit more of a pick and fight than that. I was a little bit little bit shocked to that. Maybe the uh, maybe the bookmakers know something, something a little bit more than we don't uh, in terms of where Ortiz is at at the minute. Yeah, we'll move on to um, kind of the last uh, fight I'm going to cover on this on this episode, which is uh, a very, very good fight, actually, uh, over in women's boxing, which is Clarissa Shields against Savannah Marshall. I know a lot of people have been highly looking forward to this. Uh, they'll battle it out for the undisputed middleweight championship. Uh, Shields put in a WBA, WBC, WBF and the ring magazine title on the line uh, while Marshall defends uh, WBO title. Uh, somewhat of a grudge match this considering uh, Savannah is handed I believe uh, Shields our only kind of amateur defeat uh, back in I think it was around about 2012 uh, so there's that kind of little bit of spice that little bit of needle there that adds to this and I think that these two I think there is genuine kind of a bit of hatred and animosity there as such I don't think Savannah Marshall particularly likes her um, and I don't think Shields particularly likes Savannah Marshall so that always adds to the fire um, now, looking into the kind of the odds um, and, and the way the fight's been um, set up, it, it almost reminds me, and I know we, we discussed this on the, uh, the podcast, I think it was a couple of episodes back when Katie Taylor boxed uh, Amanda Serrano, and it was the odds are pretty similar to that. It's almost like a very much a straight down the middle, who do you like kind of pick. Um, I think Marshall currently is priced up at 1.97. Uh, so she's a slight favourite with Shields priced up at 1.952. Uh, now, obviously, that is, I mean, pretty much, like I said, straight down the middle in terms of the odds. So who do you like? I mean, the Katie Taylor odds were very, very similar to that uh, in terms of how Pinnacle priced it. Um, Tom, I'll go back to you uh, first. What's your kind of initial initial thoughts on this fight and, and, and where the kind of the odds kind of sit for that? Do you think that's the right pricing or do you think there's kind of that maybe the, the pricing has been a little bit miscalculated here and one of the other deserves to be a bit of a heavier favourite? Yeah, I mean, I I really like the fight. Um, I think it's certainly getting on to be overdue. You know, it, it had to be made at some point, and I'm, I'm glad it has been. Um, I think there there were times when this fight was being talked about earlier in the year, and potentially maybe late last year, when Savannah Marshall was a big was slightly bigger underdog, and I think she was something like two point two from memory, and Shields was the slight favourite. Um, since that fight has been made, it has been pretty much dead level, as you say. It's pretty much a pick em. Um uh, As you say, Marshall, 1.917 um, with Pinnacle. So the slight favourite. And I think if you're if you're being really picky and that you're talking 0.04 difference there, so there's nothing in it really. But I think if you're cutting it down to really fine margins, I think possibly it's the wrong favourite. Um, I think you have to be careful here that as a better, you're not picking the person that you want to win. And I think in the UK, it will be very close to, maybe not unanimous, but I think it will be overwhelmingly in favour of Marshall for obvious reasons. Um, she's yeah. very, very popular, particularly locally. Um, and Shields has a knack of rubbing people up the wrong way. She's <laughs> she kind of plays that pro wrestling heel role quite well. Um, They've both had 12 fights, um, but the, the obvious difference is in the, the power. And that's, again, why Shields is um, less popular in, in many ways than the Marshall, because Marshall stopped 10 of those 12 and Shields has only stopped two. So it, it's very much a kind of yin versus yang type fight uh, in terms of styles. Marshall is obviously much bigger. She's stronger. There isn't an argument to say then that she does deserve the slight favoritism, particularly as she's going to be at home as well. But I think you would do well not to underestimate Shields going into this fight. She's an excellent boxer. Um, and we've seen it time and time again, just because you don't like a fighter, don't, underest don't underestimate them. Uh, if I'm picking someone who I want to win, it would be Marshall. 
but I'm I'd be wary against backing uh, backing against them. It's it's a great fight, and I think the prices are probably um, about right when down the middle. But I think that's fine. Yeah, I tend to uh, tend to agree again on that one. The um, Andy, I go to uh, over to you. I mean, what's your kind of uh, initial thoughts on on this fight and the odds uh, being being so close? Do you share kind of the same opinion as as Tom in terms of you know it's kind of priced pretty much correctly, or would you feel that one or the other of these should be a should be a slight favourite over the other? I, I think Shield should be a fairly heavy favourite, uh, to be honest with you, out of these two. Um, if you're picking Savannah Marshall over Caressa Shields, then you are going more with a gut instinct than you are um, a rational analysis because you look at what they both achieved. Shields has won two Olympic gold medals uh, compared to Marshall's none. Um, Shields has won world titles in three different weight divisions, undisputed in two. Savannah Marshall has won a world middleweight title that Caressa Shields vacated. Now, that doesn't mean that Savannah Marshall's not a good fighter. She is. Um, and she does have some power. And I love the way that she's kind of developed her style, that rhythmic style, loose style uh, under Peter Fury. And she could crack. The, the, she definitely can. But this idea that, that she's going to knock Caressa Shields out, um, I'll, you know, make the statement now. I, I, find, it quite, I find it quite laughable, to be honest. Um, it's not impossible that it will happen. But what, is she just going to stand there and, and let her hit her? I don't think so. You know, Carissa Shields is unlike anything Savannah Marshall has come up against before. That doesn't mean she won't be equal to the task, but that's just a fact. She's she's in a different league to anything that Savannah Marshall has come up against before. And I think this is an example of, because she's a home fighter and she's the fighter we know, um, and, and she's looked really good. She's done everything that you can ask of her in the last few fights. But I, I know that Shields will be scratching her head, wondering how... You know, us crazy Brits sort of think that Savannah Marshall is going to beat her. The danger, I think, for Shields could be is if she's a little bit too gung ho. If she, if she, if she's going to think to herself, "Nah, listen, this 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 English kid can't can't hurt me," um, and neglects her defence a bit, but I just don't think she will. I think she's she's too experienced and too and too clever for that. So, I mean, people maybe think I'm painting a bit of a bleak picture there for for Savannah Marshall. I, I have been impressed by it, but. You know, when it comes to picking a winner in a fight, you know, I'm a crushingly dull man. And it goes down to me. <laughs> what, what, what has happened in real life? And what has happened in real life is that Caressa Shields has done a lot more than Savannah Marshall. It's not a perfect way of working things out. You, you know, the, the, the odds could always be upset. But at the same time, I, I mean, to have them kind of like joint equal favourites in this, I don't I don't get it. Andy, what, what price would you give... What price would you slap onto um, onto Shields? You, you said you think she should be a firm favourite. What price kind of came to your you head? You're talking 1.5, 1.6, shorter? No, I think about that, yeah. I, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah in terms of percentages, um, I mean, I would give her, I would definitely give her 60%. Because um, okay. chance of winning this fight. Probably, if I'm honest, I'll probably, I'll probably go higher than that. I'll probably go higher than that. Yeah, I get the sense. I get the sense you're more up in the seventies at that point, Andy. Yeah, for that. But, um, I mean, I, I can't, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it. There's nothing better than being proved wrong. You know, I love it. You know, it's just it's, <laughs> none, of us, none of us are right all the time, uh, and it would be incredibly boring if we were. But it's just a good example of one of those ones where I just look at it and just think, you know, the the terrible pedant in me just thinks looks at it and just thinks, how can you, how can you not make Shields a favourite given, you know, body of evidence? I just, I don't, I don't see how you couldn't. Yeah, no, it's, it is interesting how it's kind of been priced. And I guess from your, uh, from your thoughts there, that is uh, in terms of it, when we look for kind of value picks for listeners on this, on this programme, it's certainly an opinion that is provided for, for a value pick in terms of your end, Danny. So we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that one turns out on the next, uh, on the next episode, see if it's uh, the bet that you kind of made out, but I'm happy to, uh, happy to see. We'll move on just to the last part of uh, this episode. Um, just want to touch upon a fight that recently got made because I've just been 
inundated with people asking myself about it. I'm sure you two have been asking, been asked loads of questions about it. Um, and that is Chris Eubank Jr. against uh, Connor Ben up at, I believe, £157. If, correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, but that is a just a strange kind of matchup uh, that's been made. It's, a, it's an exciting one, and it's one that's going to kind of capture the imagination. I just wanted to get your your guys kind of thoughts i mean pinnacle haven't actually priced this fight up yet in terms of the odds but i've seen across kind of the the betting industry as such i think that most books have made uh eubank jr kind of a, around about a 65 percent kind of favorite here um i think kind of been around about a 35 percent uh, uh sorry underdog in terms of the probability um I suppose a lot of this depends on kind of what the rehydration clause is and things like that. There's a lot of factors that will come into this in terms of how this plays out. I just won't go too in-depth on it in terms of the kind of analysis and stuff like that. But um, I'll go to you first, Tom. What's your kind of initial thoughts, firstly, just on the just on the, the, the match-up and the fight and then also where the kind of them odds just sit at the minute because it seems it, it, it's it's a little bit... I don't, I'm not sure. It's hard to kind of hard to kind of put a put a finger on it for me at the minute. Uh, I'll be honest. I love it. I I think it's it's going to be a circus. Um, it's going to be a, the build up is going to be fantastic. And I'm not really one for getting sucked into press conferences and and stuff these days. But I will be for this fight. I think like a lot of other people, my kind of generation um, or our generation, I guess. Um, Eubank Ben um, was the first fight that I remember watching as a kid on on TV, along with have many other seventeen million or something like that in the in the UK on free TV. Uh, and I think for it to come full circle is is just fantastic. And people, the critics of this fight will say, well, it's just a it's just a cash grab, isn't it? It's just a cynical cash grab. Um, and Eubank should be doing things at middleweight, and Ben should be moving on to welterweight. And yes, of course they should. And it is a it's a monumental cash grab. But there's a lot of cash to grab, and I don't blame them. <laughs> one bit for taking it and I'm, I'm kind of glad that they are and then they, we can kind of move on and they can go on their respective career arcs um i think yeah i i think it's fantastic i think the what i've heard and i think i'm right in saying that the, there is obviously a rehydration um, penalty if or sorry an over overweight penalty uh, and i think it's going to be mid six figures for every pound eubank goes over 157 and there's so much money in this fight that you think, well, maybe he's just going to do it and pocket and, and, and take the hit um, just to come in closer to 160. He's not huge for the, he's not a huge middleweight. He's fought at 168, but he's not, he's not a big, big middleweight like that. Um, in terms of the odds, again, as you say, people have been, I've had a few questions and, and people on Twitter and so on saying, well, Eubank's free money at that price, isn't he? It's, it's free money. And then you think, well, yes, you would think so, but actually, all logic says that he should be. It's a middleweight fighting a, a welterweight. Um, As it depends but, how good Conor Ben actually is, I suppose. Yeah, and and look, I, I saw an interview of Eddie Hearn the other day, and he said that Ben in the ring against Van Heer, and I think he said it was one seventy one or something like that. He just put on weight and kept it, uh, and he he will walk around not that much. Uh, lighter than the new bank he's not you know he he's kind of um he's, he's a decent size and i think his style if eubank takes his foot off the gas like he did against um liam williams and like we've seen him do before ben has that kind of almost like we talked about andy Ruiz a minute ago the, the kind of metronomic volume style he will keep coming until he's got stopped basically i would have thought or until he's completely out of gas and i think that he could pick up rounds and it fighting in London, he's the he's technically going to be the 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 house home fighter. I don't think it's inconceivable that he wins this fight. By all logic, Chris Eubank Jr. should win and he should stop him. But if they're both on their feet, I think it could be quite close on the cards. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's controversial. Um, it's a big if, but I, I think it's yeah. I, I I love everything about it. It's um, I'm excited for it. Unashamedly, <laughs> <laughs> nice on the. Uh, I can sense a bit of uh, enthusiasm for that fight there. The um, and I go to you, uh, lastly, just to get you kind of your thoughts on this. I mean, we won't, like I said, we won't go too into it because we'll probably touch upon this in kind of episodes down the line. But the um, there's so many variables with it, isn't there? There's kind of, I mean, one 
part that I looked at is especially with uh, Eubank Jr. is that I've always found that he kind of thrives off almost facing pressure fighters. Uh, when he's kind of struggled as Morbin, when he's boxed against the likes of George Groves, who have kind of had a game plan that offsets his rhythm and they can kind of box his way around. But the Billy Joe Saunders fight was a little bit like that. I've always found that guys who come to him, he he, he kind of doesn't have much trouble with. Um, but Conor Ben is a bit of a unique situation where he does come forward and he does kind of fight in that kind of in that style but I also get the sense that he has the ability to also box as well and kind of change up that style I suppose it's a case of not seeing as much as Ben at that level you have of kind of Eubank already we kind of know where Eubank is don't we as a fighter we know you know his limitations and his kind of strengths whereas I think with Conor Ben I think it's almost the thing that makes this fight quite fascinating I kind of got the sense in Tom's kind of analysis that it's, it's almost a sense of the unknown isn't it as in how you know how good can he be I mean in terms of when we look at this, two kind of points I wanted to kind of get to you, Andy, is that Conor Ben early in his career was dropped by, uh, I believe the guy was Cedric Pienard, I believe his name was, and he was dropped a couple of times at York Hall, I think. And since then, he's kind of been kept away from punchers, um, it, it seems, um, since that. And, and I mean, Cedric Pienard wasn't even a puncher, he was more kind of a, a journeyman fighter, but he hasn't been there. And in terms of that, do you think that that could come back to haunt him in this fight because he hasn't been tested has he in terms of he's been really since since that fight no that's true I, I was I was there that night uh, Cedric Payno a, a former kickboxer or I think was concurrently a kickboxer as well as a, a boxer and he caused him all sorts of problems but he was pretty terrible that night Connor he, he went in <laughs> thinking he could flatten him I think and just walk through him and uh, and he couldn't uh, he got caught and he managed to rally and, and come back from it we thought at ringside a draw would have been fair, but he but he got the result and and he kind of hasn't looked back since then. Yeah. There were just so many things about this fight that you know we could be here all day. And <laughs> we'll definitely talk about it on the next one. I'm sure it's you have to pick Eubank because he's the bigger man and he's boxed at a higher level. I didn't think they'd get this fight over the line because I didn't think that Eubank would agree to go below 158 because that's what he, yeah. that was the, the way he tossed out there for a potential fight against, against Kel Brook. Um, he's agreed to 157. One thing I've heard as well is that, uh, and all of these things are yet to be confirmed also, which is great. We're all yeah, guessing about a lot, a lot of TBC in there, isn't it? There you go. But one thing I've heard, and this would make complete sense if Team Ben have done this, uh, is that if he weighs over one five eight and a half, then the fight's off. Because um, yeah. they don't want him just missing the weight, taking the fine, being much bigger on the night, because that would ruin this. Like when he said at the press conference, I think I'll be at 60%. But that will still be enough. That's the kind of thing that's going to cause alarm bells to ring for the British Boxing Board of Control. But I was actually quite kind of pleased to hear it in an odd way because he does need to be depleted by the weight for this to be a level playing field. And if he is, but he can still do it safely. And you can do all the medical checks now to, to, to make sure that this is something you can do. It might take iron discipline, but, but it can be done. The body is capable of doing it. Then... I don't. I really don't know what we're going to see because you go off his last performance, Eubank. He buzzed Lee and Williams with a jab, and you yeah. just see Williams with that come forward style, big middleweight. You know, if you said at the start of the year, what do you reckon about Conor Ben against Lee and Williams? You'd think he's mental. Like Lee and Williams, would yeah, just I agree, yeah, I agree, yeah. Batter Conor Ben, but he's got a great team around him, Conor, and they're not going to have taken this if they don't think that he's got that he's got a real good chance. Um, I think but you have to pick Eubank. You do. You have to pick Eubank again. It's down to my, you know, crushingly dull approach of just looking at who's done what, where, against who, and for that reason, yeah, it's, 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 there's nothing to gain here for Eubank apart from a lot of money. Because if he wins, everyone will say that he should have, and if he loses, then I mean, people people will try and kind of laugh him out of boxing, really, won't they? Oh yeah, he wouldn't be able to probably show his face for a while. <laughs> for the, um, I mean, yes, it's a, it's an odd kind of fight. Do you think that? Do you think that it's more? Uh, I mean, if if the fight was made at middleweight, so effectively one sixty, and Ben coming at one sixty, do you think that that's just a complete? It would be a complete mismatch because I know that it's only what what we're we talking like three pounds or something like that. But obviously, that can be an awful lot when you're cutting to that kind of 
length, but it almost seems as if it's the way that people have started talking about it is as if they, you know, if it wasn't for the weight cut, it would be a complete mismatch. Um, and it could well be because, correct me if I'm wrong as well, but hasn't Connor been, re- not recently, but I mean, he come up from light welter as well. Right? He was uh, he was kind of a light welterweight originally uh, when he started out and he's come up as a welterweight. So has he even properly filled in welterweight this year? I mean, it's, it's the... It's I, think, of- I think he has. I think he's, he's a full-blown welterweight now. He, he did start at super lightweight, but that was three or four fights in. He took what I thought was a pretty, pretty bold but good decision to just step up to welterweight sooner rather than later, not mess around at 140 and just fill into the weight. And I definitely think he's done that because I've been around him a fair bit out of camp and he's never out of shape, but he definitely yeah. will get out at 11 and a half, 12 stone. But the weight division thing, the weight thing is difficult to explain to people if they don't really follow boxing. But yeah. if, you can, you, if you can make welterweight, that means you're a welterweight. If you can't make welterweight, and there's absolutely no way on earth that Chris Eubank can make welterweight, he couldn't make super welterweight, that means you're a middleweight. It doesn't matter what they weigh on the night, forget that. What can you you make? That is the weight you are. And there is a big difference between these two. It's as simple as that. You look at Kel Brook and Arnie Golovkin, people said, oh, Kel looked amazing at middleweight. And when they weighed in, you know, Golovkin was 158.9 and Kel looked better on the scales. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Golovkin was a died in the wall, 100% middleweight, and Kelbrook wasn't, uh, and it showed. Yeah, no, I certainly agree. And uh, it'll be uh, it'll be fascinating to see uh, this one unfold. And like Tom said as well at the uh, at the start of this, it'll be a, a fairly entertaining couple of weeks in the build up to that as well. So uh, we'll look forward to that. But um, that's about all we've got time for today. Um, for listeners who have been listening to this this episode, all of the odds that we have talked about or discussed in the podcast today are available at pinnacle.com, uh, and you can find some extremely popular specials um, got some great prices on there and some of the best odds around across the market so be sure to go and check them out uh, and remember to always gamble responsibly.